Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I spoke to Caitlin of Global Gateway Logistics, and they are doing some amazing things in the freight forwarding world, and their mindset around how logistics should be, the customer experience around forwarding, and so, so much more was the focus on my incredible conversation with Caitlin. If you were listening, I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did, and if you missed it, don't worry, you can go and catch up on all of our episodes over at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast or wherever you subscribe to the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. What is quality assurance? SQA believes that quality is getting what you paid for. Quality is spectacular, iconic, heroic, patient safety, safe flights, and astronauts to space. Quality is worldwide. SQA has a global footprint that supports complex and highly regulated supply chains. The partnerships SQA has created over 25 years have benefited through integrated strategies where SQA is able to support clients on an annual basis. Each year, SQA works with its client partners and their suppliers in over 70 countries, deploying a robust network of over 1,000 associates. SQA understands the complexity and challenges within a global supply chain, and our clients have seen that the results from SQA exceed their internal efficiencies. Annually, SQA performs 3,000 audits, 150,000 hours of component inspections, and 35,000 hours of engineering supplier development. Quality is what you put into it and how great you want it to be. For over 25 years, SQA has been a leader in assessing, monitoring, and improving supply chain performance. Quality is SQA, so come and join us. You can visit us at sqaservices.com. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Did you know that we go live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern for our live thoughts and coffee episode? I am joined by amazing guests. We talk about what's coming up on Let's Talk Supply Chain. We talk about my thoughts and coffee post, the question of the week, and then we dive into supply chain topics for the week as well. Make sure to check it out. We go live on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So that's the Let's Talk Supply Chain, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, as well as my personal LinkedIn page. And we can't wait to see you over there because it's very interactive. And uh, we talk about some of the, the comments that we get from the audience. So we hope to see you over there. Today, I'm excited to be joined by a man with an amazing background in operations, systems, engineering, and logistics, spanning more than 30 years. His experience combined with his passion for people and for process improvement is really driving change for his customers. Who is it? Well, I'll tell you after the question of the week. So the question of the week was, what are your wins for the week? Everybody loved this question and came out in 
droves. Sophia Rivas Herrera says, so the week is not over yet, but so far I have managed to get back on track with my online course, finish two reports for my work and spend one hour talking to somebody I really admire. Uh, TJ Nudson says, since last Friday, I ended up landing two new customers. Yay! Bettina says, this week, the U.S. election, so many personal challenges, but she is just happy to be able to battle another day. I love the spirit. Lisa Fenton, she says, got the hard copy of October Supply Chain Professional Issue, which has my seventh article published. Yay, Lisa. Niall says, week five of our customs training program hosted by Irish International Freight Association. Nick says small wins are wins towards the big goal, the vision. His wins so far, finalized marketing and investment marketing material, got positive feedback and new potential collaborations. Awesome. Danielle, great week so far. Three job offers and a great round of golf. Amazing. Eric, he says positioning a regional carrier to get extremely competitive rate on warehouse that is optimally located for them. Worked out every morning for before work and enjoyed the sunset. Evelina, she says my win from last week was the finalization and certificate of flight mode on our new tracking solution. Amazing. And so, so much more. Thank you so much to everybody who decided to comment on our question of the week and get involved with our community. We ask that question every single Wednesday morning on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Okay, back to today's podcast and which long-standing supply chain leader am I talking to today? It's Harold Barrow, Senior Vice President and General Manager of CMOS. Over the course of his career so far, Harold has shown a true commitment to improving efficiency, reducing costs, and creating more robust and stable business environments through his leadership roles in engineering and operations. Today, Harold and I will be talking about CMOS, the importance of collaboration, and some of the challenges that businesses are currently facing with their workforces. But first, let's get to know a little bit more about Harold. Harold has more than 30 years of extensive experience in industrial and systems engineering with a focus on logistics and systems, including the last 15 years with CMOS. Before becoming general manager, he was CMOS's executive vice president of engineering and implementations. He also held roles in both engineering and operations where he began his focus on the fixed price model. Prior to joining CMOS, Harold was VP of logistics and engineering at SmartMail where he managed the engineering, logistics, and security for 17 facilities in the U.S. He holds a bachelor's degree in industrial and systems engineering from the Georgia Institute of Technology and earned a green belt Six Sigma, lean Six Sigma, and a black belt from Villanova University and trained in TQM, MRP, and ISO 9002. So welcome to the show, Harold. Thank you, Sarah. I'm very excited about being part of the show and look forward to talking about CMOS. Yes, I am very excited that you're here because I love what you guys are doing in the industry. There's a lot that we are going to dive into today. So why don't we just get started? Why don't you give us some background information on CMOS? How did CMOS come about and what's the story behind the name anyways? Okay, Sarah, that's a great question. So I'll start off with basically the background behind the name. 
Uh, the name was basically taken from our prior owner's last name, Tim Sims, um, from CMOS Insource and Solutions. And the O in, in CMOS was basically a, a square or a box. And we would, take, we would talk to our clients around taking a, a, a circle. We would draw a circle, imaginary circle around that box. And that's where our focus would be. We would focus on that particular work cell. And so then over time, um, we've eventually moved that symbol to the front of the name, so it's, but it's maintained its name of CMOS, okay? Um, but the model itself came about, uh, Tim was always in the staff and industry himself, and, uh, but he wanted to, to be able to provide more value to his clients uh, by adding more accountability and not just heads and hours in the building. Um, his dad was an engineer, and so together they kind of came up with uh, a solution that was engineer-based and using a, a cost per unit billing solution versus just a markup on a head. Wow, that sounds amazing. And I always love to get the background story, especially behind the name, right? How did we come up with that? What did that look like? Who were the owners? So what exactly does CMOS do and how does it help its customers? Yeah, CMOS is, is an engineered labor-based management company uh, where we provide budget certainty using our cost per unit model. Uh, the solutions that we've developed um, are in-house by our industrial engineering staff. So I've got a team of industrial engineers that work closely with our operators, and they'll go out and assess various processes within a DC, a warehouse, uh, or a light manufacturing site. Um, they, what, they, what they do, Sarah, is they'll provide time and motion studies, and they'll determine where those process improvement opportunities are, uh, what types of methods they're using today, and how can we improve upon them. And then, and then what we want to do is we want to baseline the potential client's current costs so we know where they're at today. And once we do that and go through our, go through our assessment, typically our solution is going to yield anywhere from 15 to 20% higher in, in output and anywhere from 10 to 20% lower in labor, say, labor cost uh, than, a con, than your typical uh, contingent workforce. So that model that we do is we, we compete in that staffing space and we're a replacement strategy for that. Uh, and we, we base our billing on output versus hours. I really like that. And I think it's a timely solution. I mean, if we think about everything that's happened in the last six months with the pandemic and, you know, taking a look at, and just so everybody knows from an audience perspective, DC means distribution center. Mm -hmm. And so when we take a look at what everybody's doing and they're moving their products online, we're doing a lot more in our distribution centers, in our warehouses, you know, to accommodate all of those online purchases. It sounds like it's a really much needed solution right now. So tell me a little bit about the relationship. What does that look like between CMOS and a typical client? Because you say you have a partnership philosophy, which is music to my ears because I always say that collaboration is the future of business and that you really share a customer's goals and KPIs. So why don't you walk us through that? Absolutely. Um, we, we believe in that partnership and it's not just supply and headcount, right? So that term partner, we do not treat that lightly uh, here at CMOS. Um, we bring in increased experience from our operational leadership, our engineers, our implementation team, as well as a recruiting staff um, that's dedicated to each client and the solution is geared towards each client. So we're laser focused on supplying that client with the right solution. It's very customized. Uh, our CPU solution is built around hitting those, our clients' productivity goals and quality goals. Uh, so we really line up nicely with, with, uh, with their KPIs. Um, 
So when we meet with our clients, we always want to talk to them in output or volume and not headcount. We don't want them to get so caught up in their, because they're so used to talking about headcount because they deal with the contingent workforce today where it's what's their show rate, what's your fill rate. With us, it's talk to us in volume. We'll deal with the, uh, the throughput needed or the headcount needed to get the output that you desire. Uh, so we've got internal labor plans that we, that we build to determine what that is based on the standards that we've developed with our engineers. And, and again, the client's only going to pay for those units produced, not the number of hours that it takes. So that, that open communication between our client and ourselves is so key. The more successful the partnership is, is the more open the communication is as we share those plans between, between both, op, um, both our group and our client's group. Um, and so, and typically in order to get the savings that I talked about earlier, typically our standards are going to be higher than the internal client standards. And that's how we generate that cost savings when we present our, our model to the, to the client. Well, and, and talk to me about that mindset, right? Because you're talking about a traditional mindset where people are, are taking a look at headcount and you're changing the model. You're changing the way that they're thinking about that. How are you getting around that change management piece with them? Well, it, it really stems from when our engineers go in and we meet with the operators there, we really talk their language. Um, it's we're, we're deal, Typically, we're dealing with operators of the building. We're talking to general managers. We're talking to operations managers, even even uh, VPs of supply chain and, and, and uh, distribution, because those are the ones that understand um, how it impacts their bottom line and where their costs are today. Um, we can work with procurement. We can work with HR, but ideally we want to deal with the operators. So that mindset, we really talk their language. And I think as you start talking about, you know, throughput numbers and KPIs and line balancing and lean six Sigma and all of those principles that we apply through our studies, I think they start to understand, okay, this is a different model. It's not just going to give me heads. We're going to have some skin in the game and we're going to have some additional value. And, uh, and typically, like I said, we're going to, we're going to save them money in doing it too. So it's a real win-win. So talk to me about contingent labor workforce. What does that actually mean for anybody in the audience that might not know what that means before we go any further? I think it would be a good idea to just talk about that. Certainly. Uh, your typical contingent workforce is where companies today use temp help. Um, so, so as they, they always, usually what we see in, in DCs is there's some percentage of a temporary workforce or a contingent workforce that they have that they supplement in with their full-time associates. Because right. as that volume spikes, they want to be able to handle those spikes, but they know it's short, time, short term. But ultimately, um, companies typically will use some percentage. It may be 90-10, 90% FTE versus 10% contingent, but it may be 70-30. And so we're really trying to target those companies that deal with a fairly decent amount of contingent workforce where it's maybe a minimum of 20 people up to 40 or 50. And then of course, you know, it can be a lot larger as well. Yeah. And that, that makes absolute sense. I mean, we're, we're hearing a lot right now from, you know, the FedExes of the world and the Amazons of the world and how they are building up their temporary workforces right now because of the seasonality and where we're at in, um, in the year, right. Gearing up towards the holidays and things like that. What are some of the misconceptions around contingent labor workforce and are, are your customers, you know, are they surprised sometimes about your strategic and collaborative approach? I, I think they are. I, I think it's certainly, um, d different, um, because they're so used to dealing with, um, you know, heads and hours 
and and what is the fill rate? What is the show rate? Uh, can what what can you do differently to reduce that turnover? And so and so with our model, it's truly based on throughput or units produced and not heads and hours in the building. So just to give you a quick example, the difference is if 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 I'm a, a labor staff and provider that I that I typically bill you hourly. And I've got associates in there that may, may not be doing what they need to do. Maybe they're not hitting their productivity number. Maybe they've got high absenteeism. Maybe they just didn't show up. Well, that client's going to call their on-site uh, contact and say, hey, I need to replace uh, such and such. And, uh, and I need you to bring in uh, you know, two new people. And so they'll do that. But in the, in the meantime, the folks that they just replaced or didn't show up, they're going to bill them those hours that they were in the building, regardless of how productive they are. With our model, what happens is, we're, we're giving them a fixed cost. And then if we decide uh, within the particular week or day that an individual is not being productive, has absenteeism, or the quality is not where it needs to be, we're going to replace them. And when we bring in that new individual, okay, that new individual is going to be immediately on CPU. So we're going to bear that additional cost of training them, getting them up to speed. And that's where the contingent workforce, when they bring in new people, their productivity is not going to be day one hour one where it needs to be. It takes time. So their cost fluctuates with us. We're going to replace them, but we're going to bear that cost to get that person up to speed where our client's going to see that budget certainty, that fixed cost that we're providing them. So it's, it's certainly um, some value. And again, it's very strategic the way we go about the business. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, you're bearing all of the responsibilities. So, you know, you're going to want to put the people in place that are going to be there for a while. It's, you know, cause it's up to you to replace them if they don't work out. And the other thing that I'm hearing is that not only are you providing them with the temporary staff, you're also providing them with like the predictive analytics based on throughput and based on the people that you're actually putting in their facilities. That, that is correct. That's absolutely correct. It's uh, very predictive. And, and with our labor models, based on the standards, when, when they communicate to us what their forecasts are and what it looks like in the next month or the next two months, and we prepare that peak season appropriately, especially as we're getting into that Q4 right now, uh, where you have that Thanksgiving to Christmas timeframe, large ramps uh, that are occurring, large amounts of volume of people uh, that need to be brought up to speed. Um, we'll, we'll take that into account. We'll train the people up front. Uh, we bring them in, we provide them a fixed cost. And, and again, where that volume or that cost will certainly fluctuate, we're able to look at our standards and determine, okay, how many heads do we need based on 80%, 90%, 100% of standard uh, in order to get the volume out? Absolutely. And that, you know, there's a lot of conversations that I've been having in the industry about how this really is a big challenge, right? It's very time consuming. It's very costly when you're taking a look at your contingent labor workforce, when you're looking at bringing in temporary staff on, you know, a temporary basis, whether that's one month, two months, six months, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. What would you say that that is a big challenge. I mean, obviously I'm talking to people in the industry about that, but what are some of the challenges that businesses would be coming up against in the marketplace when it comes to staffing? What particular issues? Um, because what I'm I, yeah. trying to do is, is to really give the audience an idea of when they would give CMOS a call. Okay. Well, certainly, uh, and, and I'll approach the last piece uh, secondly, but firstly, some of the biggest challenges that we're seeing is of course that uncertainty around cost and the uncertainty around headcount. Those those two things absolutely are going to impact um, a client's output and the need to get product out and get it timely to the to the end user. Uh, our research has found that six in ten employees are having a hard time finding 
uh, workers right now, despite the high unemployment rate, right? Um, High turnover, high absenteeism just kills uh, any any sort of of opportunity to to be productive as you can. And so for for CMOS, you know, what we look for is we look for those pain points with a client. We look for, is there an off shift that we can handle for you? Is there a particular work cell that's lower in production than you need? You use a high contingent workforce here here. Um, the learning curves a little bit quicker. So that's why you use temps. Those are key areas that we can provide additional value by giving them that cost per unit. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And so we're, and we're, we take a very active approach to getting that right talent. Um, we certainly do. We, we, uh, we don't wait for the, for the, um, applicants to come to us. We go out grassroots. We're out in the, in the market. We're out in the areas. Uh, we're going to various churches and, and, and different organizations. We're trying to be innovative to attract the right talent. Uh, and some of the things that we're doing, Sarah, is we've done drive-through hiring. Uh, and we've also done hires on tires with a mobile van to get out in there into the, into the, um, the, the cities and the towns. Um, and that's allowed us to, to uh, really be very successful as well as uh, social distancing, uh, which has been a big concern for, for many people. Some people don't want to go into the office where there's a lot of people to apply for a job. We're able to go to them and continue to maintain social distancing. Yeah, I'm going to get to that COVID piece in just a minute, but you, I, I mm-hmm. really love the innovative approach that, that you're, you're talking about. Tell me about this drive-through hiring. How are you doing that? Yeah, so so drive-through hiring is, is it's really neat uh, within the people management organization, and um, which is basically we we, we set up uh, we we have flyers and we and we we market where we're going to be, and we have recruiters with tents uh, in a parking lot, sometimes in a church, and uh, obviously we get permission, and then and then what happens is we've got our tables out there under tents, and and people can literally drive up. Just like in a in, in a restaurant where you where you drive up, you drive up, and we're sitting there, and they roll down the window, and we can we can do things uh, right there from window as we're standing there talking to them, keeping our di- distance, and being able for them to apply uh, f- for the job, and talk to them about what jobs are being uh, op- you know that opportunity is out there for them. So it's been really wow. good. Yeah, that's incredible. And so you're doing the interview right, you know, where they are, um, you're meeting where they are, which I think is a huge piece right now. Obviously, with everything being turned on its head in the last six months, there's, you know, different fears, like you had mentioned before about going into offices. And I think that companies really have needed to be innovative when it comes to taking a look at their staff, you know, taking a look at hiring, the hiring processes. How right. are people doing that? Are we doing it remotely? But I, I, it sounds like you found a way to really meet people where they are and broaden the horizons, you know, bro- broaden that net to be able to even speak to folks that might not have a logistics and supply chain background, but understand the opportunities that there are in logistics and supply chain, which there's, there are a lot of opportunities in Mm -hmm. logistics. It's a very exciting time to be in supply chain right now. So what has COVID really taught you? How, what conversations are you having with your customers? Have the challenges changed or have, you know, have the mindsets changed? Are people really looking at the innovative solutions that we need to look at? And how are you supporting your customers through that? Yeah, that's and that's a, that's a great question, especially with with the with COVID that's going on right now. And 
And our model has been much more important to our clients now during the pandemic because people are wanting to stay at home. You know, they're, they're, they're collecting some unemployment opportunities that, 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 that they're not re- needing to go to work. So, so we become more important because we're getting a lot of calls for additional uh, people to come to work. And like our clients, you know, we, we've certainly put, you know, our people's safety and health first. And we're taking those precautions. We're working closely with our clients. We're, we're, we're utilizing PPE. Uh, we've got you know, temperature checks pre-shift. Uh, we're staggering start times uh, on the shifts. We've got staggered breaks uh, where we can, where it's applicable. We're, putting, uh, we're setting our workstations up six feet apart. We, mm-hmm. we're, we're providing them hand sanitizers. Uh, we're doing pre-shift, uh, break time, and end of shift cleanup or disinfecting the areas. Um, and then in addition, another thing that we've done um, with another thing that's caused by COVID is the capacity constraints, right? Because of right. social distancing, maybe not all the workstations will be able to be utilized because they have to keep that distance. So now their, their, their capacity has went down within a particular shift. We've been able to start up new shifts for them so we can add to the capacity on an off shift they're not utilizing. And we've done that uh, for some, some of our clients already where we've added additional shifts to get their capacity back up to where it needs to be. We've also worked with them on different areas of the building that we could carve out to put temporary workstations in there. Where can we put temporary workstations to continue to add capacity on a particular shift or shifts? And so our engineers uh, are, are utilized with our operators to, to work in conjunction with, with our clients to figure out what's the best way to be able to help with capacity and be real strategic about it. So, and we're still exploring new, new ways as well, trying to look at, is there any other things that we can do? Uh, so we're trying to be very open-minded uh, around what COVID's, you know, doing out there to, to uh, the operations. Amazing. And it sounds like you've got the, you know, the protocols in place and obviously people come first for you and, and mm-hmm. you can tell that in everything that we've been talking about today. How are your customers handling those protocols? Are you working within their protocols as well? Are you merging the protocols? What does that look like? Because obviously you have protocols as CMOS, your customers have some protocols. Um, obviously with, with some of the protocols, you would have to move things around and change things around in the DC or the warehouse. How is that going? Are people receptive to it? Is it a bit of, you know, collaboration to find the right fit on how it's going to work for everybody? Yes, it's very collaborative. I mean, our, our, our clients have been very open-minded. I mean, they've, they've come to us and, and asked us to do, you know, certain things. Some clients ask for that, that pre-shift check. Some have not. Um, you know, so we're very open to, to do what they need as well as what we need to do. And then, and then the suggestions that we've made, um, to our clients, they're very open because at the end of the day, they know they still want to get the volume out, but they also want to make sure they're doing the right thing for the people, right? Because they don't want to have a mass breakout, uh, because of COVID. So they're doing, um, you know, the right things within the four walls and we're working closely right alongside them to ensure that they can still get the product out, but the people are also uh, safe. So I think it's a good balance uh, between both. And I think you have to be that you have to, you know, be open minded and try to think of different ways to do it. Because uh, I think our new normal, as people have talked about, is definitely going to be different. 
Absolutely. And it's so important to create that, that balance, right? Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that we want to talk about, and we've kind of touched on it with your predictive analytics, there's a technology component. And obviously, there's a lot of emerging technology right now. I've spoken to quite a few guests on this topic. And I'm really interested to get your perspective as an investor in people, where does that balance sit between people and tech? And what are the changes that you've observed? And are there any trends that we need to watch out for? in the future as we look at the contingent labor workforces or staffing or hiring, that kind of thing? Yeah. You know, I, I know that uh, some of the things that we're seeing within DCs, especially for e-com is, is, you know, that automation or that semi-automation because of the need for additional headcount. And of course, you know, the Amazon effect, right? I mean, they, they really pay a premium. So they're driving some of that pay rate uh, in the market up. And of course it drives the art, you know, the client's cost up. So, so in order to, to somewhat offset that, so they don't need as many people as they typically did because of the operations that we were in were hundred percent manual. They're looking at ways to, to automate certain aspects of their business, whether that's the pack side of it or the pick side or the, or there's some, some things from an automation standpoint with conveyors and things of that nature. So, but, but in addition, we've been able to um, continue to use headcount to go to partner up with the automation because it's not a hundred percent. We haven't seen that yet uh, within, right. within a DC, um, but we, we are working with them. And then the other thing with, with our model, Sarah, that we do is when that occurs, we're able to adjust our cost per unit because now obviously the work content went down. So we're able to provide them with a lower cost per unit now because we're not doing all the steps. This automation's taken some of those. So we've adjusted our cost per unit. We've reduced it. And that, of course, helps with our ROI as well. So not only is a lower cost per unit and lower headcount as well. Um, Absolutely. I yeah. mean, automation is going to be huge in warehousing moving mm -hmm. forward. And I think, you know, obviously with everything that's happened in the last six months, it's something that is on the forefront of everybody's mind, especially when we think about, you know, moving our manufacturing, right? People are moving out of China and they're moving to different locations. And, you know, sometimes they're producing product for local markets rather than global markets anymore. And so we're going to see more facilities opening up with that balance of technology and people. Would you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. And, and you're also seeing because of time to market, you're seeing a lot more DCs out there, right? I mean, they're, they're starting to be yeah. more strategic about where they put that. And it's all about trying to get it to the end user uh, quicker, right? It's that two to three days now before it was based on where you lived, it could be four to five days, but now time, time to the end user is so critical. And, uh, and people are actually, added more DCs. At one point, we saw a lot of DCs and they started consolidating, right? And they started thinking about uh, yes. how, how do you create, you know, one or two DCs to handle the whole country based on different timeframes that you need? Is it Memphis? Is it Louisville? Uh, is there something in the Midwest? Is it Atlanta? Uh, some good, good logistical uh, points to be able to distribute to, to the mass majority of, of uh, where people live. And now what we're seeing is it kind of going back the other way, building a lot more DCs, a little bit smaller, added more automation in order to continue to, to drive throughput and cost. 
Yeah, it's that micro warehousing effect that I keep hearing about that I think we're just going to see more and more of. So you gave us a high level example um, earlier in the conversation. But what I really want to drive into is painting a picture for the audience of how you've helped a customer. So why don't you give us a real life example how one of your solutions has helped a customer to improve their processes? You know, what was the challenge they had? What was the solution that you provided? And what was the the benefit that they saw. Okay. So I'll, t- I'll give you an example uh, for a long-term partner of ours, a, a Fortune 500 houseware home furnishings company, uh, one of the re- leading retailers um, of home furnishings. They do a lot of e-commerce in this particular DC uh, with, with packaging and gift wrapping. And they have high, they had high uh, variable temp cost. So as this, they, you know, back to school or peak season Q4, what I'm talking about, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, up until Christmas, a large ramp uh, with temp with temp help. And so their production rates were low. And, and in order to get those headcount was always a challenge. And so they increased, and what happened was they had increased customer complaints, increased returns. And so mm-hmm. uh, it was creating an overall negative impact to their bottom line. And so, so we came in, we brought our engineers uh, we brought our operators, and we looked at uh, what we could do for them uh, within the within the packout operation, and uh, and we were able to apply our engineered principles, uh, standardize the methods, look at best practices, uh, start measuring and putting metrics in place on a daily basis, and then and then of course incentive programs. All of our associates were on an incentive program, so they get they can see the fruits of their labor week in and week out on their paycheck. So that also helps with turnover. It mitigates it because now they're not going down the street for 25 cents more an hour. So they were seeing a lot of that as well. So that incentive program uh, helped them do that. And then so through that solution and giving them that fixed cost per unit based on the work content that we were doing in either gift wrap or pack out, um, what we saw is a nine, we, we saw a quality increase to 99.5% accurate uh, from an wow. order perspective. It was an unbelievable increase. And their customer call center complaints went down. We were able to save them on a cost per unit overall for an annualized basis of just over a million dollars in savings. Wow. It, was a, it was a huge savings opportunity. And the way we got there was we increased their uh, gift wrap per order, uh, uh, gift wraps per hour, I would say, uh, by 35% and their pack out uh, cartons per hour by 28%. So large opportunities there that we were able to take advantage of and drive that efficiency gain for them where they got to see that right to the bottom line. Those are amazing numbers. And I'm really glad that you shared that that example with us for, for a couple of reasons. One of them is that we are now seeing how important supply chain is to that customer experience. So not only did you have high percentages, not only mm-hmm. did you save them that money, but because they, you were also able to reduce the amount of complaints, that means that they were getting orders. And they were getting people coming back and ordering from them. And that alone, I think, is priceless because the two really have a tie-in. And I like to drive this home because not everybody thinks about the correlation between supply chain and customer experience and the reordering. And it's so, so very important. And it just sounds like, you know, what what you're able to do and, and go into customers as CMOS and really um, help drive that efficiency, help save them the money. But at the end of the day, you're helping them get um, reorders as well on their product. And and it truly is. It it comes down to that. We talked a little bit earlier about it, right? We're aligned with their KPIs. They have various KPIs that they have to meet within the operation, within the four walls. 
and we're aligned with those and we, we are held accountable to those KPIs. So again, it's, it's, it's really driving that productivity and driving that quality aspect um, of that partnership. And, and I think it just takes it one step further and there's skin in the game. It's not, you know, can I provide you more heads? Because typically you're going to overstaff to, to, to account for that. Your cost is going to go up. And then if somebody's not being productive, you know, they may or may not remove that individual. So uh, there is there's a lot of there's a lot of win win, I believe, with this with this cost per unit model. Yeah, well, and you're shifting accountability, right. which. I mean, is a huge weight off your customer's shoulders. I mean, that again is just something that's priceless. And the other thing that you touched on was retention. Retention is huge in this space, right? You're, yeah. you're seeing a lot of turnover, especially in DCs, especially in warehouse. And so you've come up with a couple of solutions. It sounds like, you know, from an incentive perspective to really help retain those employees. And because you've shifted the accountability over to CMOS, you're incentivized as well to make sure that there's not that much turnover. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. The incentive program is, is, is a big help. Typically, when we implement the incentive program, we usually see an anywhere from a 10 to 15% cent, 15 bump in productivity just because people start realizing that if I'm more productive and I hit my quality goals, I'm going to get yeah. a, a higher paycheck. So absolutely, it's a, it's a win. And, and again, like you said, it, it removes that that the responsibility from the client. They're not having to worry now about who showed up and who didn't. It's really about, this is the volume I need you to get out. You know, yeah. did you get it out? It's really black and white. Yeah. Who showed up, who didn't, and who's not going to come back. Right. 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 Yep. So I've loved this conversation. I think what you guys are doing over at CMOS is amazing and I hate to wind it down, but I do want to know what the future holds for CMOS. So why yeah. don't you tell us? Yeah, CMOS, you know, we're very excited about the future. Um, you know, we've got a lot of growth opportunities happening across the country. Uh, we've just scratched the surface of really, uh, you know, going out to, uh, you know, across the United States. We've added additional national sales coverage. Um, we're starting to focus more on specific markets that we're in today to kind of continue to build that footprint. Um, and, and what we're finding is there's many retail and e-commerce uh, distribution centers today that use the hourly model. And, um, and, but with, with our model, we're going to be able to provide them that budget certainty, the KPI accountability and, and the continuous means to improve productivity on an ongoing basis. And so as we continue to grow and connect with more companies, we truly believe that, uh, the model that they'll, they'll see and they'll hear about is, uh, is just going to be so much better than just, you know, providing a, a, a head uh, on a markup. Absolutely. And I'm so glad we were able to share your solutions with the audience today. You know, I love to talk about people and it's nice to remind everyone that investment in people is investment in better business. So a big thanks to you, Harold, for joining yeah. us on the show today. And, and Sarah, I'd like to really say, if, if, if you don't mind, I'd love to be able to, you know, as a, as a thank you to the listeners who were, who were, who were turn, tuning in, uh, we'd love to be able to offer a complimentary engineered assessment uh, to one of their high touch processes like pick, pack, unload, load, anything like that. And so they can go to cmosolutions.com backslash LTSC, as in let's talk supply chain to start that a free evaluation. So we can do that. 
Amazing. I love that. And we will make sure that we put that all over all of our social posts because I think that people are just going to jump on that opportunity. So if you're looking to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. Thanks again, Harold. Thank you. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to Let's Talk Supply Chain forward slash podcast to check out the latest. Plus, we have new series called Blended. Yes, it's our diversity and inclusion series where we talk to people from all walks of life in supply chain authentically about their views on the different topics within diversity and inclusion. The feedback has been amazing. We're hearing back from the community that they are learning so much from this series. So go and check that out also over at letstalksupplychain.com. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, even TikTok and Facebook. You can subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com or subscribe to us on YouTube over at the SC Supply Chain TV. Next, visit ships.com, that's S-H-I-P-Z.com, and sign up. We are in full beta, and if you are a forwarder or a shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and ocean freight shipments, gain access to more choice worldwide, and utilize the best of data to reduce shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on our platform. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And lastly, remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and we will feature your review on an upcoming episode. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.